Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Well, good afternoon and welcome into Sports Talk, a quickened show today, a little bit briefer. Illinois Volleyball is coming up at 445 pre-match coverage. They're on the road in Columbus against the Ohio State Buckeyes, trying to get over the 500 mark again. So we will do what we can. We will maximize the time we have together. I am Scott Beatty. He is Lauren Tate. It's a beautiful sunny day. It's 50 degrees. It's going to get warmer this weekend. So, gray skies are clearing up and all that good positive stuff. Great to see you, Mr. Tate. Yeah, it was interesting to hear uh, Bielman today talk about leaving town. The pilots were aware of the Illini. The schools he attended, they were really aware. Everybody's talking about the Illini, huh? They are. Should help recruiting, I would think. Recruiting changes quickly, doesn't it, based on the wins? Well, we haven't. Yeah, I think so. I mean, we haven't seen the results of it yet. Obviously, it's too, it's too early, but can't help to but, but make it better. Robert Rosenthal writes at IlliniBoard.com. He will be our guest coming up here in just a few minutes. But, yeah, Illinois um, enjoying an off week, an idle week, a bye week if you must, before next week's play resumes when they face Nebraska on Saturday. And there was some media availability today for football, so we'll get into a little bit of that. There's also Major League Baseball going on. You heard it in the updates. And uh, Juan Soto for the Padres having difficulty in right field with the Sun. So the Phillies have gone up on the, uh, let's see, they are up now, looks like 3 nothing. Phillies are up on San Diego in the top of the second inning, San Diego riding that that clincher, that, that that sort of magic from the first series, but right now kind of scuffling along in these two yeah. games. Well, we saw some home runs in the first game by Philly, and now not home runs, but just a nice rally. And now we got Schwarber batting with a three nothing lead. That's not a good situation, is it? Did you ever see anything like that ball Schwarber hit? Four hundred eighty eight feet. I think it was listed almost at one hundred and twenty miles an hour yes, off sir. the bat. Yep. And he's just—he's a guy now that he just—he's played in the postseason. Well, he—he he knows the postseason. He's got a gorgeous swing, and when he connects, it's <laughs> just gone. You remember the first time that they brought the Cubs brought him back in the postseason, and he had been injured for a long time, and he got back, and they just got him ready for the postseason, and he hit like he'd been there all season. Yep. And I still go back to the uh, the rule that that allowed Kyle Schwarber to play in four games instead of three in the World Series uh, to be as a DH. And that was because the American League won the All-Star game, and that allowed the Cleveland then-Indians to have home field advantage in the World Series, which meant there was a DH, which is what Kyle Schwarber hit for the Cubs in the World Series. 
if it was the other way around in a seven-game series, yeah. that's one less game where he doesn't bat. I, I remember him when he was a catcher at Indiana. Yep, he was hitting he was hitting balls towards oh, Bob Zupke's gravestone <laughs> in the cemetery across the street. I mean, he just was killing it. Yeah, and that was part of that Indiana team that went to the College World Series. So it's three nothing Phillies right now with Schwarber up in the top of the second inning in the NLCS. Um, all right, Brett Bielma, Illini football head coach, met with us today off week, but he gave us a little bit of an update. Took it easy on him. Uh, Sunday we did our normal routine. Monday uh, we, we gave him the entire day off, um, as NCAA rules allow us to do. Uh, got a good work day in yesterday, especially with our Debo guys. Today we did uh, basically our twos became our ones. Uh, so uh, a lot of great work out there with our twos that um, normally don't get as much as our, our ones do during the course of the week. We had our Devos become our, our really our threes and fours became our twos at practice today. We did good on good. Uh, indoors there, and it was just a lot of really good work. Uh, tomorrow we'll jump into our Nebraska prep uh, and allow us to uh, get a get a jump start on them. Obviously, they're in a bye week as well, so there's really no no new film coming in, and they have changed a little bit uh, after the transition uh, in the uh, with Scott to, to uh, the new new way of doing things. There really has affected everything, offense, defense, uh, and a little bit on special teams. So uh, Nebraska with the bye week, which I had forgotten. So yeah, you can you can start prepping right now. You don't have to worry about. Uh, extra film study for the uh, Huskers post Saturday. So that's what they are doing. Basically, if you're a regular player right now, you haven't been playing much. I think they'll get at it again a little bit with them tomorrow. We'll come back, and uh, Robert Rosenthal is going to join us from IlliniBoard.com. Also, before our brief show is up, we're going to give away some t- tickets to see Journey and Toto at the State okay. Farm Center, part of the Promotion we've been doing all week. Win them before you can buy them, so stay tuned for that as well. Also want to let you know, uh, my friends at CU Under Construction and CU Trade Services are getting ready to announce the winner of their free HVAC system for an area educator. A K-12 through educator is uh, getting one because somebody nominated them and they found a willing, a worthy, that is, recipient Part of the ways that CU Trade Services and CU Under Construction is giving back to the community. And we thank them that the nomination for the winning participant, I'm told, came from somebody who heard about the whole program right here with us on News Talk 1400. Just had CU Trade Services in on Monday to do a tune-up on the furnace. And they recently did our laundry room and upstairs bathroom as well on a redo there. They've done fine work. We appreciate them. I hope you'll check them out if you're considering anything in the construction, carpentry, or HVAC, plumbing, electrical needs world for you and your home or your business. Check them out. See you under construction and CUTradeservices.com. Back with Robert Rosenthal after this. You're listening to Sports Talk on DWS. On the latest episode of Inside Illini Basketball, we discuss the ranked Illini, a renovated urban basketball complex, and get ready with college basketball just around the corner. Wednesday edition of Sports Talk. I'm going to talk some Illini football now with our friend Robert Rosenthal, who writes at IlliniBoard.com, and he joins us now from the bye week bunker. I have decided. That's where you are, Robert Rosenthal, often with us here in studio, but today in your mobile office, uh, hunkered down somewhere in an undisclosed location. (laughs) Somewhere in the mountain time zone. There you go. And you and Lauren have something in common, as I was just telling you in the break. 
Uh, you're both getting a chance to go uh, visit your granddaughter as soon as this show is over. <laughs> That's right. That is correct. <laughs> Just a couple guys born in 1972, right, Lauren? <laughs> <laughs> My granddaughter's cuter than yours. <laughs> Bumper I'll sticker. Yeah. <laughs> Six and one, Robert Rosenthal. I know as a self-proclaimed fanalist, You've got to be enjoying uh, the, the the wave that this is right now. I mean, Brett Bielmo was talking today about every – I mean, he gets on a plane now, and the pilots are talking to him about, hey, how great football is going. What a moment's going on here. I mean, I I, I don't mind telling where I am because my granddaughter's in Idaho, so I'm in Boise right now. And I was just in a Panera having lunch, and a couple saw my shirt and wanted to come and talk Illinois football. Like, I mean, it's – it's absolutely everywhere right now, and I still it's just still hard to comprehend because, as we've talked over the weeks, you know, this was the year when a whole bunch of players graduated and the whole class of 2017 was out, and this was going to be a bit of a rebuild and a restart, and seven defensive guys left last year. And so for this to be the team that's doing it, it's just really, really hard to comprehend. Are there any aspects of this team that you felt were question marks coming into the season that are still question marks. Mine, that I would say are still question marks, is special teams. Yes. Um, Although with with Easy Breezy going, what is he, 7 for 7 now? So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know he doesn't have the biggest leg, but, you know, well, I mean, Illinois has, has seen that before, right? There's been, you know, a kicker for 40 yards and in and a kicker for long field goals that, we saw it in 2002 when Gockman hit the field goal to uh, to go to overtime with Ohio State. So, you know, it's been done before, and maybe, you know, maybe they don't want Pitton to kick over 40 yards or something like that. But, hey, maybe it's it's turned Brett Bielman into an aggressive coach for goes forward on fourth and four from the, you know, 29 or whatever it was and, uh, you know, pick it up and add more points. Robert Rosenthal's with us on Sports Talk. You know, I look back, and, and three years ago, Illinois beat Wisconsin on this date, this date today, 24 uh-huh, to 23. Yeah. What a great one. I thought, I just wonder how many players uh, in that game are now playing. And, you know, I was surprised at how few they were. I really was surprised because, oh, there was Joseph and Palshevsky and others. But, uh, you know, I thought maybe, uh, I mean, it was just a, a very few uh, number. I mean, Peters was a quarterback then, of course, and it was just, uh, it kind of surprised me just how, and you brought it up here, just how quick this team came together, and particularly after all those key losses uh, last year on defense. Uh, what is it that's made this defense so successful overnight? I and mean, by the way, it, yeah, start, I, it started about the fourth or fifth game last season. About the fourth game last season, we began to see it right then. Yes, yes. The After giving up so many points to Virginia, coming home and holding Maryland, what was the final on that one, 20 to 17? And, you know, Maryland was at 10 points most of the game, you know, scored all their points in the last few minutes. Um, yeah, that it, it, it is interesting how it came together. I think the thing that has grown on me as to the why as the season has gone on that we were thinking, hey, really great defensive line last year, the end of the year. You know, maybe a lot of that had to do with Rod Perry, who's with the Browns now, and mm-hmm. with Owen Carney and with Isaiah Gay. And, you know, he was defensive player of the week and had whatever five and a half tackles for loss at Iowa. And, 
you know, there was all these like, wow, these seniors have really, really stepped it up. And maybe what we're missing is that Newton and, you know, Avery was coming on at the time and, and Randolph was playing so well. And, you know, maybe what we were missing is that a lot of the key players were on this defense. Yes, Kirby Joseph went into the draft, but, you know, maybe we needed to realize how good Quan Martin was getting and how good Devin Witherspoon was going to be. And, you know, it's the growth of those players that has really led to all of this. How do we, how do we impact the red zone in a better fashion than we've been doing? It was interesting to well, hear Lenny talk about it today because, you know, he said there's no magic pill. Uh, a myriad of different problems have cropped up down there, including the fact that in Minnesota's case, they changed their defense significantly when we got down inside the 25 and inside the 10. Yeah, that's always the trick is that, you know, there's just, it's not only that you have less field to work with with everything, it's that the defense can, you know, doesn't have to cover anything behind them and bunched up and it really took away. And I think part of it, at least in my mind, especially in a game like that, you know, what what have we seen from Bielma both years that he's very, very turnover averse, that I, I feel like when they practice red zone stuff, they don't, you know, I feel like that. Sitkowski interception at the one against Iowa was the we are never ever ever doing that again kind of a thing uh, to where it just seemed like they got really 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 safe once they got to that you know once they got to that spot so um, some of my interpretation on Saturday was especially once they had the lead it was let's just be really really careful because the only thing that can that can really blow it for us here is some kind of interception. I think you hit it on something there. I think they are being conservative down there, although um, I'm not sure what, what what can you do down there. You just have to run the same plays that you have. I mean, the the uh, the keeper by the quarterback was a was a tremendous call. And by the way, the the quarterback keeping that ball is is going to be more effective most times. That might be your best yes. play down there. Yes, I, I think so. And you know you. It, you're right. This is a season-long thing. You know, think of the the drive. What was it? First and goal from the four at Indiana when they got yeah. stuffed at the one on fourth down. Yeah. You know, this is this has been a a big season-long thing that's been a uh, issue. But I I don't know. Like I have this trust that you know, yes, it's the one thing that's been lacking, but they still have Chase Brown. They have figured out what they have in Hightower and Pat Bryant and Isaiah Williams, and I you know the defenses get a little easier here except for Michigan and um, I'm very interested to see what they do when they can you know maybe have a little more smooth sailing because this was three top 10 defenses back to back to back now Wisconsin has fallen well down uh, after that lot their bad games but you know this is this were three really good defenses that they faced now Nebraska is not that much and and Michigan State doesn't have that good of a defense and and you know Purdue's better but they're more of an offensive team so these next three weeks i'm curious to see if they you know open up the offense a little bit with illinois clinching a bull berth and obviously they have sights on a division title and more where does your mind go when uh, you think about postseason <laughs> god you know what i ask me where my mind goes my, my mind starts to drift to pasadena and the sunset over the mountains and <laughs> kickoff um uh you know i I listened to a podcast last night that was uh, Pat Forty and Dan Wetzel. I think they call it College Football Inquirer. I think it's a Yahoo Sports podcast. 
and they were legitimately discussing, they weren't saying this was going to happen, but they were legitimately discussing how if Illinois were to win out, Illinois would have the strongest Big Ten resume, even stronger than Michigan and Ohio State. Well, if they beat them both, they'd have a stronger resume. Right. Right. And, you know, their their main point was that both Michigan and Ohio State, because their non-conference schedules were so, so bad, you know, Illinois, Virginia, and Wyoming are tougher than anything Michigan faced and anything that Ohio State faced. And because of that, and because they only get to play each other once, they don't get two games against it, they were making the argument like, hey, look, if this Illinois team is legit, and we're not saying they are, but if they are, they could make a really, really strong case for the playoff. And, you know, I, I faint at these moments. Like, <laughs> like, is this actually, you know, mid to late October and there's a national college football podcast saying the words Illinois and playoff without, you know, it's not sarcastic, it's not anything else? Um, so that's that's where that's why I'm just sent my brain is sent adrift. Look, I'm not saying Illinois is going to beat Michigan and Ohio State. That would be ridiculous. But let, let me just present this to you: If Illinois, say Illinois does win the next three, they win at Nebraska, they come home, they beat Michigan State, and Illinois beats Purdue. Then, for the first time in maybe team history, Illinois is sitting there would be sitting there with three games in front of them. Michigan, Northwestern, and then the Big Ten title game, saying, win these three games and you're in the playoffs. Illinois has never been able to say that, and may not for the next 60 years be able to say that, but in three weeks we might be saying that. I'm not saying that happens. Nine and three would be a fantastic year. I'm not saying like this is anything like that. I'm just saying to walk to the edge of these things is something that it's, it's ridiculous. It hasn't been seen in forever. So to have a top-five defense and to have all of this and to be facing, hey, look, win these next three games, which you should, and you can be standing there telling yourself, like, we're, we're three games away at controlling our destiny for a playoff. That's insane. It's ridiculous, but it's something that's out there. If the expansion of the playoffs was right now, Illinois would legitimately be in a conversation yeah. for the yep. playoff. And I get where you're saying there's a very theoretical place, at least right now, where Illinois is in that, but... Uh, you would legitimately be talking about is Illinois capable of making the expanded playoff, um, and and which is why schools and some conferences have been in favor of it. But your larger yeah. point, Robert, is what I'm hearing is you could call it ridiculous or not, but it's not impossible. Right, right. I mean, Lauren and I talked about this this summer of what years, if there had been the expanded playoff, if we go back through the 80s, what years could Illinois have been in the top 12 to make that expanded playoff? It would have probably happened in 83, um, especially when you went 9-0 and in the Big Ten. Um, it would have happened probably in 89, although they were number 11 after the – they finished 10 in the polls after winning the Citrus Bowl, but were number 11 before, so they've been right on the edge of that. And then probably also in 2001 when they went 10-1, and um, they would have been one of the top 12 teams. I think there were nine going into the Sugar Bowl. So there's really three times Illinois would have ever been that, but Illinois has never been considered, uh, you know, would they be in the top four after the season? So that's that's the zaniness. That's the craziness of all of this. It just changes the way you go about everything, though, to realize that, you know, if you were in contention, I, I, I'm sure that some of those games against Northwestern, for example, not that those would I, – if you're playing for something, the games against Northwestern take on a whole different light to me. We've gone there sure. so, too many times and just 
kind of been so flat, and I can't believe that if you were in a some kind of contention that that wouldn't be different. I mean, let's think. It happened in it happened in one but they only won by six. I think in '83. Now they, I can't remember, Lauren. What did they do in '83 when they had to beat Northwestern to lock up lock up the Rose Bowl? I don't remember. I'd have to look that up. Uh, I, I know yeah. we, I know we won. I think we won handily, but I'm not sure. Yeah, but I remember in 01, I think it was something like 34-28 was the final. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, mm-hmm. a little too close for comfort. Yeah. So, yes, all those things would be hanging out there. You know, you everybody could see that if Illinois pulled some crazy upset at Michigan and then just had to beat Northwestern. Um, yeah, that's, that's a game. I, that's what, what I guess I was saying is it puts a different uh, – Connotation on every game you play. If you if you're playing for one of the twelve spots in the in you know in the playoff, that's just different. I mean, that's yeah. It's, you know, the games take on so much more meaning. Yeah, it reminds me of uh, 2007 when all those teams that had no shot at the final, you know, suddenly Missouri is number one and they just have to win a game to get there and they lose, or you know, that Pitt West Virginia game where it's almost there and. You start thinking, "Wow, win this game, and we could go to the national title game." That's uh, that's a tough task to pull off. Robert, we're short on time with today's show, so we got to let you go. Um, but before okay. you do, I need you to pick, if you would, for me, a number between one and seven. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with five. All right, because we're giving away journey tickets and Toto, and Robert just called for caller number five. Two one seven three five six nine three nine seven. You get a pair of journey tickets. You can win them before you buy them. And Robert, we'll talk to you again soon next week. Well, you'll talk to me in a second because I'm just going to hang up and be caller number five right now. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Appreciate it, sir. Thank okay. you, Robert. All right. Take care. Back in a moment. You're listening to Sports Talk on DWS. Our journey winner, Lloyd Dutzman. Appreciate all that uh, called. We'll be giving away some more throughout the week, both here on Sports Talk and on a penny for your thoughts. Chase Brown, nation's leading rusher, getting his body right. It was a big workload, but um, you know that just meant I had to take recovery to a whole new level. My body's starting to get used to these uh, heavy loaded games and uh you know one day it might feel like i was in a car wreck but the next day you know i'm all right and i'm ready to go so as of right now i feel really good still waiting for josh mccray who's finally coming back when illinois plays nebraska yeah i mean it would take some load off of me number one but then you know josh is a tremendous player and he's hungry to get back out there so um i know it would mean a lot to him and uh you know I've seen how hard he's been working in rehab and the, the amount of time and attention to detail that he spent, you know, getting back, uh, you know, it, it's going to be fun to see him go again. They've started a website for him, Lauren, to promote his season and a campaign for Heisman and Doak Walker and all that. He's having a moment. Well, he certainly deserves consideration for what he's done so far, if he can keep this up. Absolutely. And a lot of players getting midseason recognition. And uh, Brett Bielma is just saying, manage the outside. That's the phrase he's given his players. He's durable as the devil, you know. Just the durability is a huge factor. 36 carries one game, 41 carries uh, Saturday. I mean, what? That's <laughs> You didn't expect that, did you? I didn't. Not that many. Incredible what he is doing. 
All right, sir, I'm off the next two days, but you're with Evan tomorrow for a couple hours. We yep. appreciate it. Yep. Sahad of Sharma will talk some Cubs baseball with you guys, and Nick Quartaro will talk Big Ten football. Illinois volleyball is next. Have a great one, everybody. Thanks for being with us.